Welcome to another highlight show consisting of brief, very thoughtful and enticing clips from previous podcast episodes. And this is so much fun to listen through, uh, hear these interesting tidbits once again, which I will tee up with a brief comment before I introduce each guest and their quotes. Uh, But the idea is to uh, give you some interesting, inspiring takeaways uh, right out of the gate listening to this episode, but also to go back and listen to the shows uh, that pique your interest. So here we go. And the first clip is from my good friend, Tanya Teshka, author of The Bordeaux Kitchen. And in my long career publishing books at Primal Blueprint Publishing, uh, Mark Sisson and I wrote quite a few, and we also published, ooh, nearly two dozen books from a variety of other authors and I'll tell you, this book is like no other that you will see uh, on Amazon or in the bookstore. It's an absolute masterpiece, a complete, thorough, and very entertaining education on French food, wine, and culture, and healthy living and healthy eating. And Tanya has so many interesting things to say. She's a deep enthusiast into the ancestral health and progressive health practices. She's had a variety of health ailments of her own that have sent her into uh, tremendous research and understanding on the various uh, problems we have with not only modern diet, but modern life in general. And so this clip, she's going to talk about um, the wonderful, cool smart meter that's put on your home to manage your electricity use uh, is highly disturbing and giving off a lot of electromagnetic radiation. Uh, So she's talking about the... um, the strategy of vandalizing the smart meter a few times in Switzerland until they come and replace it with the old style analog meter, which gives off less electricity. Uh, Very humorous. Uh, But then she talks about the uh, influence of artificial light and the blue light spectrum that we get from regular light bulbs and how you can optimize your home. So some alternative health topics away from her expertise and her passion with cooking. You get to see another dimension of Tanya Teshka. Here we go with the first clip. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank Portable Infrared Grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings wings, hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. It's funny, in Germany, they have a rule where um, you you might get a smart meter, but if it's um, broken off, you know, you take your baseball bat and you just knock that thing right off. They come back and replace. You do it again. They come back one more time and you do it again. And the third time, they'll just put the analog back in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. And that's that. And, and you know, for Switzerland, I just heard or read recently that by the end of this year, they want to have installed smart meters in private, all private homes. And Oof. I can't tell you how how distressing it is really for, for me um, to know these kinds of things because our, our children's sleep is already sometimes um, disrupted. And sometimes I wonder if it's not the, the breaker, the fuse box that's below their bedroom. Um, you know, you, you gotta just 
be aware and learn about these things and and do what you can to protect from really what amounts to radiation, unfortunately. This is the electromagnetic radiation, just like the microwave. Is it the same as the router? Uh, but it, the smart meter is more more intense like at the, the level? Wi-Fi. Um, you know, that's a good question. And that's something that I, I don't... Um, I don't know. Uh, the Wi-Fi is a very strong signal, and you should turn that off at night at the very least or when you're not using it. The smart meters, it's this constant low frequency, frequency pulse, which, as it turns out, um, you know, is, makes, for example, parasites uh, more virulent because it's vibrating at frequencies that, you know, that makes them angry, let, let's just say. And for our own um, cells, you know, we're not, we didn't evolve with these frequencies. So it, so we are getting 10, with the smart meters, for example, 10,000 to 100,000 times a day, kind of rattled with um, a message frequency that we don't know really what to do with. Um, you know, our mitochondria don't know what to do with in our cells. And so it's very disruptive, as you can imagine. So, and some people are more susceptible than others. And children are definitely, you know, they being made of more water than uh, when they're small. They have more water content, um, you know, in water. What, what do you do in the microwave? You know, you're heating up the water molecules when you put something in the microwave. Mm -hmm. You can't put in metal because it will um, create fireworks in there. But anyway, it's just something to keep in mind. And so with the, the light bulb scene, can we switch out to orange bulbs and wear the UV protective lenses, yellow or orange color, so we can see plenty well? Like Ollie G, check it on his videos. We just saw some of those with his, with his yellow lenses. He was an early adopter. Um, is that going to provide a measure of uh, help against the, the negative aspects? I would say wearing blue light blocking glasses definitely helps. Um, That's anything with a UV rating. Like all sun, most sunglasses will have that, unless they're fake from the the beach vendor for five dollars and has a UV sticker on there. Probably not. But the good lenses are treated with UV protection, so you can get like at the home supply store, you can get safety goggles that are yellow but have UV protection. Yeah, you know the UV issue. I'm actually not sure about, but it's that color. Um, you know, I you you may be right, um, but uh, for just sure the, the experts are saying okay. If it has UV protection, uh, then addition. it's doing its job okay. for the blue light spectrum. Yeah, that uh, could very the indoor well be. light. Yeah. So well, and I think the best measure is to try to you know restrict your screen time once the sun goes oh, down. Oh, that too. Yeah. And just, you know, go to bed when it's dark. Though in a place, for example, like Moscow, where we lived for a while, um, it's probably too many years, uh, the they didn't go on the daylight savings time. And, you know, if the sun goes down at 4 p.m., you know, it doesn't rise until 9 a.m., you know, you've got to get to work and you, you know, what, there's no way to live without the, in a place like that without artificial light. So there, there are definitely uh, limitations to living in certain latitudes, but, you know, you do what you can. Here we go with a clip from William Schufelt, the young boy wonder of the ancestral health scene. This guy is an all around Renaissance man. He's been an actor in Hollywood. He was known for playing Brody, the Red Power Ranger, and he still appears at trade shows and conventions signing autographs as the Power Ranger. Uh, but he had a, a great uh, immersion into uh, ancestral health. He had a great podcast called The Will to Win Podcast. He worked on a book with Dr. Ted Naiman, former podcast guest, called The P.E. Ratio Diet, The Protein to Energy Ratio Diet. He's a living, breathing example of healthy living. He has a wonderful Instagram account showing all his workouts and uh, the amazing work he's done on his physique. You can see him adorning the cover shirtless of the great cookbook, Carnivore Cooking for Cool Dudes. So he's a big enthusiast of the carnivore diet. He did another podcast with Chris Bell, the documentary filmmaker of note. And guess what? The guy keeps moving on to new and exciting challenges, and now he's uh, cutting records and singing uh, in reggaeton style in Miami, Florida. So 
he's an all-around interesting guy and so young when we did this recording i believe he was only 22 23 years old and we were slated to talk about uh dietary healthy eating topics but the tape went on and on for the podcast probably probably around 50 minutes as i recall where he was talking mostly about focus and goal setting and organizing your life to succeed and getting out of your own way if you have uh, some adverse tendencies and i was so captivated to hear this young man uh, going off on these great topics and i became really inspired and interested and it inspired me to dial up my game a little bit where you know there's always areas around the fringe where we have room for improvement and a little more focus and devotion to our goals rather than just uh, paying lip service to them so well Schufeld's going to hit you hard with a couple cool clips here I decided when I got into it that if I pursued acting for the rest of my life and I and I never achieved it, I was okay with that. So that sort of uh, crazy mentality about like, I have to do this thing. Like, I have to give this a shot. You know, like, you don't know if you don't know. Like, just give it a shot. You never know what could happen. And it was that sort of crazy mentality probably fueled by a bunch of, um, you know, personal development and self-help literature that I was just like, all right, let's do this. That's heavy, man. For it, it was a twenty-three-year-old. There's forty-six-year-olds listening right now, going, "Shit, I hey, I ain't figured that out yet." But that's you know, t- uh, actualizing all this, all this, all this talk that was going into your brain because we've all heard the talk, we've all mm-hmm. heard the you know the secrets to success and uh, the, the aphorisms and all that. But then, then backing that up with commuting up and down the five to go mm-hmm. to tryouts and then go back to theater rehearsal. Um, you, you were locked in with, with all, you know, all cylinders, including the, the mindset as well as the physical execution of it every day. That's what it has to be. Um, so you have all these variables in front of you. You know, you have your personal work ethic, you have your mindset, you have your health and your energy, you have the opportunities around you all the time. And if you take advantage of every single opportunity around you every single day and you're, you're laser focused on what you need to get done and what your goals are, I think it's a matter of time, you know, it might not happen soon or it might happen soon, but like you, you can't leave any stone unturned when you're doing that sort of thing, especially if it's as risky as acting. I used to, when I first moved to LA, I would see so many friends that were in acting and they were hanging out, they would smoke weed, they're at, you know, oh, let's go out to dinner, let's go have some drinks, let's let's go do this and that. And it's like, you're in like the riskiest, most difficult profession. <laughs> and meanwhile, doctors are working for 10 years, you know, to, to try to make that career happen. And you're working, you know, a quarter of the amount of work they're putting in. Um, and you're hardly working at this thing. And it's so much more difficult, you know, like it's it's so based on luck and whether things work out and stuff. So it's like, how could you not really devote yourself to this? Um, so, yeah, I think just a lot of people aren't that serious about it. And I'm not telling everybody that like, I don't think this lifestyle, th- that sort of mentality is for everybody. I really don't. I think that there are a lot of people that you need to look for fulfillment. And if you're fulfilled with the job that you're working in and you love your family and you have a great home and you have a great lifestyle, you don't need to suddenly say, I need to be the CEO of this company and let me just forget about everything. And now my marriage is going to suffer. Now my energy is going to suffer. I'm not going to spend as much time with my kids and stuff like that. I'm very aware that there are trade-offs with this stuff. So for me at the time, I was a single young man with a lot of energy and I was driven by passion and purpose to do this thing. And I did it. So I don't think that everybody at every stage in their life has to think this way. I'm just saying that to achieve that in the time I did, in the stage of life that I was in, that's what I had to do. Um, yeah. Right. And you better, you better find out very clearly who you are and, and, and be uh, true to your basic nature. Because I think mm-hmm. we have a lot of dreaming going on and a lot of uh, social media programming that's yeah. trying to convince you that you're not enough where you are right now and you should dream bigger and do all these great things. But if that's not what you're all about and you're more uh, less risk uh, tolerant and, and things of that nature, my cousin Babby is a therapist and she says like, you know, maybe the people in the creative arts uh, are willing to tolerate higher highs and lower lows than mm. someone who wants to work in a, uh, a stable long-term career where they, they know they can count on. They're working in, as a public servant and looking at a, a pension and, and a career track that's very linear and reliable. 
Uh, and then what you said earlier that you were willing to act for the rest of your life and mm-hmm. not make it, that, that's the kind of guy that's going to be picked one out of a thousand that has a chance. But I think the, the people that are dreaming and hoping for that break, that's a, that's a tough way to go, like you said. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the disappointment and like the the heartbreak sets in with those sort of things. Um, but it's it's just I think one good way to look at it in terms of like what where am I in life and what am I willing to sacrifice? And th- this was something that uh, this was pretty influential in my life as well. But it's in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. There's a personal mission statement that you create for yourself, and you just you really distill like who you are at that point in time. What are your values? You know, what are your talents? What do you enjoy doing? What does sort of an ideal day look like for you? If you're at, I think it was like your 100th birthday or 85th birthday and, um, you know, like who's there? You know, who do you want to be surrounded by? What do you want to have done at that point in your life? Time to talk to the doctor, people. A free consultation from one of the world's leading and most knowledgeable progressive physicians you'll ever find, a guy who walks his talk and leads an incredibly healthy lifestyle and also integrates all aspects of healthy living, not just medical numbers and blood tests, but he writes a wonderful blog, Cultural Health Solutions blog, and author of the South Asian Health Solution. His name is Dr. Ron Sinha. And yes, he actually cares for real patients in his practice, working with large employee groups, in California's Silicon Valley. Uh, We've had other podcast discussions where he talks about um, things like FOMO being representative of an actual disease state. So this high stress, consumerism, comparative lifestyle that we lead, leading to adverse blood values and health conditions among his patients because they're in that rat race like crazy. So I really love his broadened perspective. Uh, But actually in this clip, we're going to be talking about some blood markers and getting some breakthrough progressive insights from one of the world's leading physicians in this area. So he's going to talk to you about the most important heart disease risk markers, which are the triglycerides to HDL ratio. That's right. It transcends our obsession with LDL cholesterol numbers. And you can listen to the whole show for more details. But this is some good takeaway insights to to realize what is truly most important when you go get a blood test. Dr. Ron Sinha, culturalhealthsolutions.com is his website. The good news is that the generations of images and scanners are getting much more high fidelity. So we're pretty much close to a stage now where we can readily have accessible tests with minimal radiation exposure, where you can see all types of plaques. So really, that, that's going to be the, the real determinant in the near future is even if your LDL is 240, if you have a scan like this that can detect all forms of plaque, um, that's readily accessible, and we see that there's really no evidence of any impending plaque formation or rupture, then why would you put them on a drug like that? So, uh, Do you like the ratio of triglycerides to HDL as a really prominent indicator of your heart health? Oh, I love the triglyceride. It's just a really easily accessible number. It's not one that's reported on most lab tests, but that's just such a great, simple indicator of early insulin resistance. So even before your glucose goes up, often the triglyceride to ratio is a nice lead indicator of whether you're uh, moving in that direction. So yeah. And what are we shooting for? So less than three, but the lower the better. If we can go for one, wonderful, but that doesn't always happen for everyone, but definitely dropping it down below three or even 2.5 to one would be great. So we've heard about triglycerides under 150 is kind of an important goal to stay out of the risk zone, the red zone. And then we want our HDL, oftentimes we've heard over over Mm -hmm. 40 is like a a, a minimum objectives. And so now you can calculate, listener, if we're talking about a a triglycerides of 150 and an HDL of 50, what's your grade there for that person? Yeah, I mean, I think, so, so you're right. The, the ratio does make sense there. So I, th- I think that would be a good ratio. But I think if you just absolutely looked at the triglyceride, even despite having an elevated HDL, I, I would prefer the triglycerides to be closer to 100 or below. And these are typically the patients I just feel like based on their numbers and following them forward for many years, we see that their A1Cs, glucose, are just the most protected against insulin resistant in the future. So all my goals with my patients is let's get that triglycerides to 100 or below. And, you know, if it floats up into the low 100s or 150 and their HDL is still fine, yeah, their additive risk is probably not that great, but I think 100 or below is ideal. And in most people, if you get the triglycerides below 100, usually you see a fairly substantial rise in the HDL over time. Oh, so yeah. they're it's somewhat like a associated? 
Yeah, it's it's almost it's an inverse uh, it's an inverse association in most cases. You get that triglyceride low enough, the HDL goes up over time. So whenever people ask me, how do you get the HDL up? What are the typical things you see on WebMD? Right, drink more red wine, exercise even harder, and these things have modest impact on HDL. But getting the triglycerides down, that's the number one indicator for getting the HDL up. Oh. Yeah. What else has an impact on HDL? Well, then you think about the things that will bring the triglyceride down, right? So lowering the carbohydrate intake, um, you know, making sure obviously you're getting the right types of exercise, you know, you know, cutting the sugar out of the diet. Those are the things that are going to really help bring it down. Okay. So back to the, uh, the workplace and getting motivated and concerned yeah. about our health. Now I'm concerned. The listener's interested. We're on to the next stage, yeah. which is... What are the dietary and lifestyle changes that we can make out of the gate to make the most impact? Yeah. So I'll tell you, um, a lot of my thoughts have sort of evolved over time because in the beginning, you know, when, when I started this movement, it was really fixated on let's get that carbohydrate number down as low as we can or, you know, you know, at least a reasonable threshold. And even though that's the epicenter of my approach, because I see so many insulin resistant folks that are consuming loads of carbohydrates. Now, you know, when I see stressed out people that are in the office that are dealing with the pressures of work, home, et cetera, the last thing you want to tell them is let's remove something from this diet that you enjoy, especially if you're an Asian who likes to eat rice. And I tell them we got to cut back on rice. So that goes okay with some people. With some other people, they're like, that's my comfort food. That's, that's my, my life, of, man. That's my pack of cigarettes. You're taking that away from me, right? I'm, I'm not smoking. I'm not drinking alcohol, but you're taking that away. So then, you know, so if someone's motivated to do that, that's a no-brainer. That's easy enough to do is to remove those extra carbohydrates. But now I'm really thinking about more of an additive impact on their diet. Like, what are the foods that are going to energize you and keep you satiated and satisfied and happy in the context of your chaotic life? And, you know, and one of the things we see in a lot of our patients is they're just not eating enough protein. Like, how do we get more diverse, healthy sources of protein into your diet? Here we go with a clip from Tippy Wyatt the hostess of the Tippy Tales viral YouTube channel. She's an expert in the ketogenic diet and weight loss, and she's a super fit, cute gal, and she bounces around on Instagram with all her followers. But wait, you got to look deeper than the polished uh, performer that's out there in front of the camera telling you how to shop healthy, eat healthy, and engage in these interesting uh, weight loss challenges with higher stakes and more accountability than most people pursue. So she has a lot of good advice there. But boy, her background, her story, uh, the pursuit of the American dream, it's so inspiring where she came from and some pretty heavy stuff, even in this short clip. But it will definitely encourage you to go back and listen to the show from health expert Tippy Tales, who has made it a long way to the position she's in today and is a great young lady uh, doing a lot of good work. Here we go. A lot of people don't know this about me. I don't have an accent or anything like that. I've been here for quite some time, but um, mostly all my life, yeah. But we started our our journey in um, refugee camp in um, Thailand and um, with hopes of coming here. My mother was pregnant with me and my sister was three years old and my dad and, you know, had the American dream of coming here and not the typical American dream. The typical American dream is the white picket fence and all of that. But he wanted his girls to get an education, an American college education to be specific. And um, under obviously unfortunate circumstances, it, my mother gave birth to me and she passed away. She bled to her death and we were born, I was born in refugee camp and we immigrated here. So it was this oxymoron of a tragedy and miracle wrapped up in one. So we started our life like that. And it was a rough start, but um, came here to America and my fast forward, my sister and I, we both have a college education and, you know, uh, very proud of where we come from and lived in a very traditional household, Laotian household and, we speak it, we cook it, every, 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 every being we've taught our parents English, we taught ourselves how to speak, write English, and we were dirt poor growing up. This is in Fresno? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you were uh, in a farming situation? Yeah, our, um, we did farming and, you know, my parents uh, rented a couple acres. We did oriental farm farming, so long beans, cinqua, bitter melon, Thai chilies, that's what we did. We worked our summers at the farm 
and we earned, you know, our back to school clothes working on the farm. And while people had vacation, we were working on our farm, the farm with our parents and helping them out as much as we can. And that's how we earned our back to school clothes. So it's been a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations, a lot of struggle along the way, but anybody can do anything they want to do. They really want to do it in life. That's how we, we feel about everything. So um, that's, that's how life started. And of course, there's a lot of twists and turns along the way. But one of our passions growing up was cooking. We had to cook from a very early age for our parents and learn the traditional way of smashing a Thai chili in the um, brick and mortar. And um, what did I say? Brick and mortar. Is that what you smashed on the stone or something? Yeah. I was thinking you could smash it on a brick, I guess, but see, I don't, I don't, I don't use that term often, right? The (laughs) pestle and mortar. Yeah. It's like brick and mortar. Education at Fresno State. (laughs) Like, what am I saying? Brick and mortar? This is, this is not a shop here. Um, Yeah. So we, we learned the traditional ways on how to cook and really immerse ourselves in it because we enjoyed it and we cooked for our parents. And that's, that's how we were brought up to learn you know, the art of cooking and we fell in love with it. And that's some a project that my sister and I have been working on. And um, it is an authentic Asian keto cookbook. I'm so proud of it, Brad. It is, it is one coming of Coming soon, <laughs> coming soon. Yes, coming yeah, soon. Very interesting. Very, yeah. very proud of it. Uh, it's something that's going to live on lo- long after I live, right? So it's one of those things for future generations and something we can preserve. And we counted the calories, we counted the macros in there, all of that, and everything tastes phenomenal. I would I wouldn't there's nothing in there that I would not serve at a dinner party for people that I was trying to impress if I had to impress them, right? That's the type of that's the type of recipes that we have in the book. There's nothing in there that we would not make and say, okay, we're proud of. And it's it was a a labor of love, a labor of we bonded so much. We talked about so many different ways and now it's kind of hard to eat food again, you know, because you've, the, the art of cooking, we always feel is dying and especially. What are you talking about? <laughs> the art of cooking of young folks, right? They uh, just, it's so easy. Uh. It's so easy to go out there and get this and get that, but then to actually slice it and cook it and feel it and know where it comes from. I mean, I, we love that stuff. That stuff gets us going. So we, we put it in a cookbook. Dr. Mark Kukazella bringing some heat with this little clip. I know you're going to want to go back and listen to the whole show because this guy is getting fired up. And you are going to hear uh, a little, a little uh, tidbit about how plant-based propaganda has infiltrated medical school education and online certification. And this machine keeps moving forward, uh, dispensing uh, advice that is now, uh, in many uh, cases, taken for granted, and we're leaping to assumptions and conclusions. And really, Mark makes a good point that uh, we're not that far apart. Everyone's in favor of eliminating nutrient-deficient processed foods, uh, but we have to learn how to think critically and reflect on the big picture. And what a interesting multidimensional guy, because not only is he physician fighting this battle and going up against the authorities and speaking his truth, he's also an exceptional athlete, a high-performing marathon runner. He has a running store in West Virginia dedicated to uh, minimalist shoes and becoming more integrated into a barefoot dominant lifestyle. And he helps people with those goals too, just on on a hobby type level. Uh, But boy, this guy's really out on the cutting edge. And I think you're going to love this little clip from Dr. Mark Kukazella, author of Run For Your Life. You know, medical education now is... You know, we've made some strides that we don't allow pharmaceutical companies to just waltz in and, you know, sell their wares and give their cherry picked articles to students who are highly influenced. But what we're seeing now is, unfortunately, groups like Physician Committee for Responsible Medicine, American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So these groups are dominated by, you know, what is now kind of referred to as a whole foods plant based diet. If you hear that term, WF. PB, I think would be the right <laughs> an acronym. It's code from what I'm reading, you know, and what I see given out to students as, I mean, I probably eat a WFPB, you know, so the volume of my plate, Brad, 
is probably plants, the volume, the most volume. But certainly if I don't have anything of nutritional substance on that, you know, some form of fat and protein to go with my veggies, you know, with a nice bottle of Primal Kitchen, you know, <laughs> Greek goddess. You dun, know, dun, dun, dun. I got to put music in the background if you're going to do a commercial. Yeah, I have it at my store. Shit, I got like all four varieties, five varieties in my fridge. But that's, so, I mean, the, the greens are great. You know, those are nutrients, but they're called fat-soluble vitamins. And, you know, you do, I mean, you only need to be doing endurance sport just to be doing normal human activities. You need essential fatty acids and essential amino acids. So if all I ate all day was plants, I think I would be eating all day, which as a human probably isn't a good thing. You know, somehow we made it further up the food chain to not have to be you know, eating plants eight straight hours, 20 straight hours a day. But this movement is not really based on science, you know, so I can see patients and I don't have any political agenda. I don't have any products to sell. You know, I just want them all for the garbage, you know, which is the junk, you know, which could be called like the white death, you know, might be another way to phrase it. You know, so we all agree that we need to get off of sugar sweetened beverages and processed junk. But when we go out there and push to the population that they should be eating 95% plants, you know, no animal products at all, and somehow that's the way it is. I mean, that doesn't, that's not sounded in any medical evidence, certainly not in human biology and certainly not in human evolution. So when that's pushed out to medical students as the way to health, you know, just, and they get a free pass. So these groups are held up as authoritative. You know, they have doctor's names behind them. You know, they have board certification. You know, you can take online courses, you know, spend your money to get a certification. You know, you can go to Colin Campbell's website, you know, on the Cornell and, you know, you could be like anyone who has no medical background and take an online course teaching you how to teach the world that they should eat plants only and put a shingle up and then teach this, but they, they, they make their way into medical schools because I mean, just for example, last year, there was a book put out by physicians committee for responsible medicine called nutrition's guide to, to uh, nutrition clinicians guide to nutrition. It's a free resource by the PCRM. And uh, my administrator hands me this box of books and says, Oh yeah, this, here's a free gift from the PCRM, you know, to give to the students, you know, do you mind uh, giving this book to the students during your lecture? And I kind of grabbed the book and, ooh, <laughs> and I paged through it. You know, I like just opened cardiovascular disease, you know, and like diagnose or the, the, the therapy is, you know, all plant-based nutrition, fine nutritionist who teaches plant-based nutrition. That's it. That's the remedy. So I agree. I mean, I think we probably agree on 80 to 90% of things, you know, get rid of junk food, but the, the world right now is suffering from a condition called hyperinsulinemia, you know, so unless what that person, if, so here's how it is. I don't know, maybe you want to throw another question is, or just let, kind of let me go on a little bit on this, Brad, I'll clarify. So this was a, a podcast from the British Journal of Sports Medicine from one of the leading pediatric obesity specialists. And this one made sense to me and how we need to look at this as a society you know, so if we have 30 kids in our grade school class and one kid is failing, maybe it's about the kid. But when two thirds of the kids are failing, it's not about the kid, right? Like you can't blame the kid. Greetings, my fitness minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low impact options, an assortment of high intensity interval training and high intensity repeat training strategies, 
a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. The one and only Dr. Kate setting us straight. She has been a beacon of truth and detailed information and explanation on all things healthy eating, ancestral eating for uh, over a decade now. I've been following her and such a huge fan. Uh, Her book, Deep Nutrition, is an absolute masterpiece. It was re-released in a a larger, more expanded form, so you can go look for the the recent version. The grassroots version that she wrote in 2009 became an internet sensation and sold like crazy on Amazon. Then she got a major publisher, got it out onto the bookshelves everywhere. And then her follow-up book, The Fat Burn Fix, uh, which we're talking about in this podcast, is really a great way to see uh, the challenges with the, uh, the big goal of reducing excess body fat, particularly the role that highly polyunsaturated industrial seed oils plays in making your fat metabolism dysfunctional. And when that happens, boy, are you in big trouble because when you start to clean up your diet and cut carbs and do what you're supposed to do and you can't burn body fat effectively, you're going to run out of energy and your diet plans are going to derail. So I call Dr. Kate the world's leading crusader Uh, about the damages and the destruction caused by refined, high polyunsaturated industrial seed oils. That's what this clip is all about. Please enjoy and listen to the whole numerous shows we've had with Dr. Kate, including one called How to Become Cancer Proof, which could be life-changing and really thought-provoking. The first thing that goes wrong is that your body gets damaged when it tries to burn fat. Gets damaged? Your, your mitochondria, well, that's where your body produces energy. That's where your body burns fat. And these little parts of your cell called mitochondria that generate cellular energy, the ATP. And when your mitochondria try to burn vegetable oil, they produce a lot of free radicals and it, it shuts them down. It, it, they can't produce energy. Um, it's, there's something in there called the uncoupling protein that basically it's, it's like you blew a fuse in your mitochondria. It shuts them down. Their ATP um, production stops. And so um, cells will die if they don't have an alternative source of fuel, but they do have an alternative source of fuel in this world where there's sugar, you know, available within easy reach. So that's how people become dependent on sugar. So the culprit, the cause is this lifelong ingestion of vegetable oil, hand in hand with sugar, obviously, when we're talking about basic modern diet, but the vegetable oil gets ingested. And then it stays in there and it integrates into the fat cells. And then we try to burn it and it's uh, dysfunctional or it's not meant to be there in the first place or what happens? We're not supposed to have so much of it. So um, our diets now have uh, about 20 times the amount of linoleic acid. So linoleic acid is the most common polyunsaturated fatty acid that's in the vegetable oils, which are soy, uh, sunflower, safflower, corn, canola, cottonseed. So those are the most common vegetable oils and linoleic acid is the polyunsaturated fatty acid that's in there. So you can actually biopsy human beings and, you know, our fat and see how much linoleic acid we have in our fat. And then you can go back to biopsies that were done hundred years ago and see how much they had back then. And you find that it's 20 times as much. So we have radically altered the composition of our bodies. How about 50 years ago? 50 years ago, it was about 7% 
Um, so, it was, so now it was, it's over 20% now. And it was 1% or 2% 100 years ago? Yeah. Because these foods didn't exist. Right. So we, when you were getting, you wouldn't be getting that much linoleic acid and you wouldn't be getting that much polyunsaturated fatty acid because there are those in, you know, you do get, the, we're talking about omega-3 fatty acid and omega-6 fatty acid. And of course, those are naturally occurring in food, but it's in a lower amount. And, and, and our bodies don't need that stuff so much for energy. We don't want it for energy. We use it for signaling and we use it for building um, nervous tissue and for the proper uh, fluidity, maintaining the proper fluidity of our cell membranes and our body temperature. And I think that this oil is a big reason behind the epidemic of thyroid disease um, because our thyroids trying to our thyroids are very primal organs and they are, they they do stuff like maintain our body temperature and that is so basic and um and it's based on physics and when we've changed the the melting point basically of our body fat um then the physics by which our thyroid operate have been disturbed and our thyroid doesn't operate properly anymore so we got tons of people with um, thyroiditis, thyroid nodules, hypothyroid, um, and um, and it, it, there wasn't this epidemic of thyroid disease before vegetable oils. And even more like correlating, if you have to use correlatives to figure things out, um, pet food. Um, you ask a vet who's been around for 30, 40 years, pets now are starting to get thyroid disease and thyroid nodules and stuff uh, that they didn't before. And pet food didn't used to have all this soy oil in it until about 10 years ago. So um, there's a lot of arrows pointing towards soy oil, canola oil, and the vegetable oils being the number one scourge, far more important than sugar. And, you know, I, I think it's important to understand that, you know, sugar is addicting and bad and not be controlled by it and by your sweet cravings, but it's way more important as um, a healthcare provider for me to tell people that vegetable oil is, if you just get vegetable out of your diet, you're going to do way more good than if you get sugar out of your diet. And in fact, we have a second clip from Dr. Kate where she gets on her uh, devil's advocate helmet and challenges the pillars of conventional health, dietary, and medical wisdom. And she is not afraid. She does not pull any punches. She's calling out the prestigious Harvard University for being deceptive and uh, taking bribes and dispensing uh, flawed with information that they knew was flawed dietary advice. And these are things that have shaped um, not only American dietary policy for decades, but have exported that to nations across the world. So some really bad stuff has been happening behind the scenes. There's all kinds of good books on the conspiracies and the uh, the manipulative influences. Uh, I love Denise Minger's Death by Food Pyramid book where she talks a lot about um, the flawed dietary policy, the government uh, lobbying influences and things like that. But no one's better than Dr. Kate to shake you up a little bit and get spicy here in this clip. And so thank you very much, Harvard. That's what you've done in telling us to avoid saturated fat and, you know, cut salt and worry constantly about your blood cholesterol numbers and don't eat eggs or anything like that. So that's, that's Harvard. That's the legacy of, um, you know, the, the Ivy league medical association. And, and the other pillars that we've, we sort of automatically or inherently respect due to, I guess you'd say branding and, and brainwashing, but it's, it's, it's a pretty serious accusation. You, you told me Harvard's bought and sold and everybody knows it. And when that coconut oil thing came out, and I think it's pause for reflection where we, we don't have time to think critically about this stuff. So we're going to go to our, our resources, but then it turns out um, they're cherry picking information. You mentioned the Minnesota, what was it called? The Minnesota heart study, the Minnesota cardiac study. The Min Minnesota coronary experiment. Yeah, yeah. You can Google this and it says, previously suppressed data or terms like that, where you're like, these people were doing, you know, a, a, a high profile scientific experiment. And now we're finding that they suppress data. That's pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do get actually... kicked out of Harvard for that, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe not. Maybe you just get promoted get to promoted. tenured professor. <laughs> exactly. 
I mean, no joke. It's I mean, the corporate relationships that run everything. And so <laughs> oh, funding the person's research. So they have to sort of toe the line. Of, yes, exactly. And, and that's the problem is that, um, you know, follow the money. It's a cliche, but uh, we haven't done it when it comes to nutrition science. And, um, it, you know, some there's like one journalist, Nina Teicholz, who's working in this space. And, um, and uh, you know, she has done an amazing job of, of trying to catch people. Um, these are a lot of older people now who uh, were part of this whole cover-up and, and stuff that has happened over the past... They all have dementia, though, so they can't really... Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of them are dead now because, I mean, this was done so long ago, right? But um, when she was doing the interviews, uh, a lot of people she tried to interview were, were kind of like duck and cover. They were like, I can't talk about that like gag order type stuff, you know, CIA level, <laughs> you know, black ball, just, I don't want my family to get killed sort of <laughs> scenarios because the, the edible oil industry kind of is the big, is big oil, right? When it comes to nutrition, that is big oil and they run a lot of the research and um, they basically run these institutions of so-called higher learning in medicine. So, when we see that heart healthy on the label of the vegetable oil, you told me the, the price tag this was to, to get on to get the heart healthy terminology on your food label. Yeah, companies pay seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for the heart healthy check. So like Kellogg's and um, you know the people who make Honey Nut Cheerios, they bought that. Um, and that was the price tag, you know, 15 years ago. I imagine it's gone up now if they still have that. Now they have, or they may have something else, but there's always some way to earn money by um, trying to say you're healthy and having the American Heart Association, um, you know, say that they improve. So basically, if the American Heart Association says it's healthy, it's probably a red flag. Ah, uh, my show with Luke Shanahan, Deep Thinker, where we talk about uh, cultural trends some strange, weird stuff like the over-glorification with wealth, obsession with results and status and your public perception. And he offers some uh, really interesting and fun insights. Uh, during this clip, I realized that he mentions a new term that he coined called a matrepreneur. A matrepreneur with a mat meaning love. And so being someone who uh, loves what you do and making a unique contribution, pursuing your dreams and your passions and your goals. Uh, just a fun little clip from a really interesting show. I think you're going to get a kick out of Luke Shanahan, Dr. Kate Shanahan's longtime life partner and writing partner. He's a wonderful writer, chef, multi-dimensional guy, uh, throwing down some fun stuff. Here we go. That gets us back to what we were discussing earlier about the difference between on, being an entrepreneur and being an what what we're going to coin Luke's next. new word. Um, Get ready. A matrepreneur. A matrepreneur. A mat meaning love, right? And like an amateur means love of the game. So a matrepreneur versus entrepreneur, right? So an entrepreneur is is the person who is mistaking the shovel for the for the dinner, right? This is the person polishing their their trophy from you know a, a tournament they won twenty years ago, rather than being out on the course with their friends playing another round, even if it's not going to be you know, a, a, a perfect, you know, 59, like, you know, like Mickelson didn't quiet. I watched every, every shot. And I can tell you when he hit that nine iron, I could feel the, the rumble under my feet. He's a strong dude hitting, hitting it out of six inch Bermuda. But, um, you know, the entrepreneur says, you know, um, I've won my trophy or I have my jet. I have my successful business. I have these things, but you know, you say, I am my business. No, you're not. And if you are, you're in trouble. You're in, you're in the thick. You know, you're you're with the Mickelson in that six inch Bermuda, and you need to hit out of there, because you know your business, no matter what it is, it, it's good that you share a, a, an energy with it and an identity with it. But but that's that's sort of like you know being connected to somebody as a you know as a conjoined twin. You share blood supply, but it it ain't you. You know it. It, it is so closely linked to you. You can you you can think that it is your identity, but the, the people who are most successful, you know, uh, and they speak this way. I mean, the, the richest people in the world, you know, the, the Bill Gates and the and the and the and the Buffets and so on, they get to a place where they say, you know, none of this really is what it's about. It's about giving back. It's about doing good. It's about being a feeling that I am contributing in a significant way. 
They, they say that when they're on top. Once right? they're on top. And the, the Google guys are my favorite example mm-hmm. uh, where they didn't go public. They wanted to just right. build a better search engine, build a better right. search Make engine. The world Everyone a better else place. was like, .com, .com, go public, <laughs> IPO. Right. And then uh, my friend Ray Sidney, who was the fifth employee hired at Google. Mm-hmm. I have a great show with him. Great. And he was a mathematician educated at Harvard, MIT, top level uh, education and going into this wonderful career opportunity that worked out very well for him. But he said, you know what? I wasn't about, right. I wasn't a guy heading over to Silicon Valley to make money. I was a lifelong curiosity and passion yeah. for mathematics. Right, And that's something that people forget when they see the glorification of wealth. And of course, he's a you know, living the dream yeah, life that fine. everyone dreams of. Sure. But he got there because of his passion for mathematics and in his spare time, yeah. his hobby time was spent solving math problems with this organization that puts out, you know, math problems to solve. And so if you can't pull that message out of the dream like glorification of celebrity, now we're getting to something. But I'm, I'm right. I was, I was kind of knocking, knocking the big shot guys because yeah. it's so easy for them to say. Exactly. And now what I see yeah. is their message is being <clears throat> repurposed by the yeah. climbers. Right. Because they know it sounds good to say, yes, I'm just here to be in service. Right. And so what my business is all about, I'm, I'm a ghostwriting service and I look for celebrities to, right. uh, to prey upon and uh, extract a, a, a economic value right. to tell their story because I'm such a skilled writer. Yeah. And it's just all about about being in service and I don't need my name on the book and it's sort of like right. it seems a little disingenuous right. even though they're trying and I give them five points for trying it's like how about tell a little bit of the truth like yeah that kind of sucked that I didn't get any credit for that because I was the one that exactly. you know, opened up the western region for all the new yeah. uh, retail stores and you know my boss took credit and he's a jerk right. uh, but I had a good time along the way and there's got to be a great, little balance such a great point man because it, it, again it, it, it's it's right like we were saying if you're in a, in a if you're operating or claiming to operate fully in the giving mode that's a trodden horse and inside that horse <laughs> is an ego is your own ego it's no different it's wait well, say that without me breathing cuz i want that to be the the pull quote for the if show if you find if you're if you say this about your kids if you say it about your job your friendships i'm a giver that's all i just give it's all about them i give i give i give well that's a, you're fooling yourself a little bit and it's it is by the way it is the obverse of the coin of you know the self-serving narcissist here comes my main man dr phil maffetone considered the godfather of aerobic training and promoting the concept of fitness and health being two different things. And it is so nice to see him rise to prominence in recent years because he's been spreading his message for decades and astute endurance athletes uh, started to pick up on the Maffetone principles back in the 80s and 90s because he was coaching some of the world's greatest uh, performers in the endurance sports. And so I was exposed to him uh, midway through my triathlon, professional triathlon career, and he really did change my life and got me to uh, pay great attention to uh, eliminating the nutrient-deficient, distressful, damaging foods from my diet, and also toning down the overall stress level of my training so that I could actually strive to be a healthy person as well as a fast person. He's the author of many, many great books on the subject. You can look up uh, his action at philmaffetone.com. He has a line of supplements, and he's out there doing his thing. He's got a wonderful training device where you can um, use the earbuds, and he will talk you through your workout adhering to the Maffetone principle, so kind of a guided workout uh, application. So a lot of cool high-tech stuff going on. Uh, But Dr. Phil Maffetone, known for his simple, sensible insights, and here he talks about balancing stress and rest successfully. Here we go with that nice clip. I don't know what day it is half the time, unless you know I, I have I have notices that I have a podcast with Chad at night. <laughs> well, I don't know what day it is either, because obviously we were supposed to record last week, and the the morning time zone came and went, and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I it's not that I forgot about this long long awaited podcast with. With Dr. Phil Maffetone, I just didn't know what day it was. That was my, that was where I was at that time. So I guess that's, that's not as bad as completely forgetting about our podcast, but I woke up. I thought it was Thursday morning. I think I went out and played my beloved morning speed golf round and then got back and I'm like, Oh my God, it's Friday. Oh, but on that note, uh, the, 
you're doing this for a defined purpose, which is to, I guess, reduce the stress in your life and reduce the stimulation, which is, uh, has negative health consequences. You're not just trying to be an off the grid dork who's making a, making a point and sending, sending photos via Instagram of your, your solar panels. You're disengaging from modern media for, for a specific purpose. Exactly. Um, I'm doing it because I, I want to reduce stress. And, and that's one of the things that um, anyone who understands stress, which we define as, as being physical, biochemical, and mental, emotional in nature, um, does. They recommend reducing stress. And there are a lot of stresses people can, can eliminate or reduce. And then what happens when you do that? The body is now healthier and more fit and now you're able to cope you're able to adapt to all the other stresses which we may not be able to change um so yeah i i I do it for selfish reasons at the same time i want to be able to explain how somebody can can do those things and um and it's it it's really you know the stress the stress thing is really what it's all about. Uh, if, if we, if we, you know, I'm, I'm into, I'm into the big picture. Uh, sometimes we have to whittle down and say, well, here's, you know, here's the mechanism that's going on in the knee joint when you get injured. But there's a big picture, and that's a that's a really nice place to start because when you see the big picture, you see what are the things that. I want to devote time and energy on to help myself to help become more healthy and become a, a, you know, a more fit person, improve my natural human performance, whatever that may be. Um, and stress, stress would be in a general, uh, in a general sense, stress would be the only thing we, we need to worry about by definition, because, um, all the physical things that you and I have talked about over the years in terms of training, uh, how do we run a better marathon, et cetera, et cetera, all the things we've talked about regarding food and uh, nutrition and all the, the bad um, oils and hydrogenated fat and, well, now they call them trans fats, uh, uh, synthetic vitamins, all, you know, all this we can all throw that into this thing called stress because there are physical stresses that we need to deal with. There are biochemical stresses, which is where nutrition is and food. And there are mental, emotional stresses, which is um, our, our education or our miseducation. Uh, pain is there too. Pain is something that is an emotion and and so when we put all that together, we say, well, now I'm really confused. Now I'm overwhelmed because um, if I make a list of all my stresses, which, which I recommend people do, um, it, it's unlimited. I mean, I've got, you know, I'm up to 57 physical stresses I'm under. I've got, you know, 107 uh, biochemical stresses. And I've got all these mental emotional stresses, many of which I really can't even define, but I know they're so what do I do? Um, it, it's it's and everybody's waiting for the answer. <laughs> I don't know the answer because it's individual, it's very personal. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, 
a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five-star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.